It was in the summer. I was taking a break from summer courses. I had actually just came back from a job interview at this resort state park that was close to my college. I was going to work there over the summer and just keep busy. I came back to my apartment with my college boyfriend at the time. And basically that's when the stroke happened. The next thing I know, I'm laying in the floor. I can't get up. Of course, he's confused as to what has happened. I just kind of felt like very lightheaded. I couldn't stop laughing. The hospital was about 20 minutes away. So he and a friend in college, she came over. They basically just packed me up, took me there. That hospital did not have any MRI or CT technology. So they really weren't able to diagnose it as a stroke. Finally, they transport me to Wake Forest to their stroke facility, which is one of the best in the country, which I'm you know, very grateful for that because the other hospital, even though they did not do any testing, they actually just wanted to do surgery, but they didn't even know what they were going to operate on. It's hard for you to even feel like you're yourself anymore because you're kind of like an alien in your own body, especially being 22 at the time. I mean, I just wanted to go back to school and be a part of everything that I had been and graduate. But so I took that year off, did the speech therapy. After that concluded, I actually went back to school, ended up on the Dean's List in the top 5% of a business capstone course in the world. I mean, it was pretty phenomenal. Just graduated with flying colors. I started working not long after that. I actually now manage a CBD processing company. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. A hole in the heart, otherwise known as a PFO, is a very common condition that around a quarter of the world's population have. Although a PFO on its own won't cause a stroke, it does increase the chance of a clot being able to travel to the brain. In this episode, we hear from Sydney Bryant from West Virginia, who suffered a stroke at the age of 22. Just kind of like your typical American college student, very free-spirited. I've always enjoyed the outdoors and very active lifestyle. You know, I, I've played sports my whole life, lacrosse, basketball, and tennis. And then I just kind of went with the flow, had a lot of fun. And then, of course, the stroke happened and completely changed my whole life. I mean, as it does with anyone that's had a stroke. I actually have a PFO, the tiny hole in the heart that one fourth of the population in the world has, but people do not know that they even have that unless it's diagnosed when they're really little. It's a congenital birth defect, but basically mine was caught after the stroke had happened. I had been a heavy cigarette smoker for several years before the stroke happened. I had also been taking birth control for about a year, even though I had stopped smoking six months before the stroke had happened. Of course, I continued taking that birth control pill. And basically the factor of having the little tiny hole in the heart, taking the birth control, smoking on top of that. And then my spring semester of school that year, I had actually been really ill with all of these stomach issues. I was seeing all these doctors. They couldn't really figure out what was going on with me. They thought I had this rare type of like colitis. Turns out, I mean, I don't know really what that answer was because when the stroke happened, all the stomach issues went away. I had lost about 30 pounds because I couldn't keep water down. But actually when 
the doctors did my heart scope when all of that was going down, the hole in the heart is actually too small to even be repaired. So it's kind of like one of those freak storm incidences, kind of like a medical oddity, I guess. It was in the summer. I was taking a break from summer courses. I had actually just came back from a job interview at this resort state park that was close to my college. I was going to work there over the summer and just keep busy. I came back to my apartment with my college boyfriend at the time. And basically, that's when the stroke happened. The next thing I know, I'm laying in the floor. I can't get up. Of course, he's confused as to what has happened. I just kind of felt like very lightheaded. I couldn't stop laughing. I had that pseudo bulbar effect going on. And then, you know, I'm just kind of like speaking tongues at that point. He calls my mother. She's like, you need to get to the hospital where our college was. It's in a very remote setting. The hospital was about 20 minutes away. So he and a friend in college, she came over. They basically just packed me up, took me there. That hospital did not have any MRI or CT technology. So they really weren't able to diagnose it as a stroke. At first, they told me that they were not able to treat me or see me at all due to the fact that they thought I was on psychedelics. Of course, this is like 1130 in the morning. You know, I'm just freaking out. Of course, I can't hardly speak and I'm very weak. I look like a wreck, of course. And the two, they advocated for me and, you know, said, no, she really needs help. Like, I think she's had a stroke. Finally, about five hours of being there, they just gave me some Ativan to calm me down. My aunt that is a nurse finally got over there from her job, which was about three hours away in a totally different state. So she gets over there from Virginia and finally they transport me to Wake Forest to their stroke facility, which is one of the best in the country, which I'm you know, very grateful for that because the other hospital, even though they did not do any testing, they actually just wanted to do surgery, but they didn't even know what they were going to operate on. It was very concerning. Of course, you know, I can't talk and I just hear them saying all these things that they're just going to start cutting. And I'm like, okay, I'm not consenting to this, but I couldn't really write or talk or really do anything other than just lay there. So I spent the next three days after that at Wake Forest and, you know, of course, just was a part of a lot of medical studies, you know, being the youngest person in that whole unit, it was startling. And I wondered why I was there and wish I wasn't. But I learned that I had all that going on. And basically, I went back to my apartment, stayed there for two days, and then went back to Indianapolis for a couple months, stayed with my parents, kept seeing all my specialists periodically, you know, just making sure I wasn't going to have anything else happen in that short amount of time. Then I actually went back to West Virginia and started speech therapy. So I started seeing my speech therapist, Catherine. She's a wonderful, amazing person. I actually just saw her recently and after almost not seeing her for six years. So it was a drastic change from the time I graduated from speech therapy with her to life now. She really just got me back on the basics and I worked every single day and just kind of kept pushing through. And of course, aphasia is hard. I mean, you're kind of trapped in your own mind and you're just spewing out all this word vomit. I mean, it's hard for you to even feel like you're yourself anymore because you're kind of like an alien in your own body, especially being 22 at the time. I mean, I just wanted to go back to school and 
be a part of everything that I had been and graduate. But so I took that year off, did the speech therapy. After that concluded, I actually went back to school, ended up on the dean's list in the top 5% of a business capstone course in the world. I mean, it was pretty phenomenal. Just graduated with flying colors. I started working not long after that. I actually now manage a CBD processing company. And I've been using CBD on my stroke side for about six years or so. Um, I'm very thankful and grateful for that as well. I mean, it just kind of let me get off of all those pharmaceuticals I was taking for my neuropathy pain and just even calming down. There's no anxiety anymore. I just feel like a totally different person, but it's taken a lot of grit and grace to get to this point. And of course, I'm just blessed for the whole ride. Sydney has made a strong physical recovery. It's not anything like it was. Pretty much my neuropathy is like folding a piece of paper. I'm just split right down the middle. Even my tongue, taste buds, just everything is very hypersensitive, but at the same time, kind of dull, which is so strange to even think about them being together. At first, it just felt like I was on fire, just all that horrible pulsing pain. Everything just was either too hot or too cold. Now, I still have some stiffness every now and then, and I do stretching and yoga, and I try to stay very active and hike and kayak and horseback ride, just do as much physical stuff I can. Of course, I don't really have any limitations like certain stroke survivors that have had paralysis or anything like that. I really didn't have any weakness on that side. I had a lot of fatigue in the first few years, but of course, building up that stamina over time, you know, that really has been beneficial. And now I'm pretty much just feel like I did before the stroke. I mean, some days are better than others. Temperature, like if it's really cold outside, sometimes it bothers that stroke side. But for the most part, you know, I guess I've become so used to it. I don't even think about it anymore other than if I have one of those like flare ups, but putting some cream or whatever on to just kind of hone in on that pain. I mean, I've been very lucky in comparison without having any paralysis or vision issues or, you know, the horrible lasting headaches that can come with, you know, surviving a stroke. I mean, I did have those for a while and luckily that all subsided. I'm also blessed to only take aspirin, 325 milligrams, no blood thinners, no other heavy pharmaceuticals. So it has been good. Coming up, Sydney on connecting with other stroke survivors online. I joined some stroke advocacy groups on Facebook and Instagram, of course, and just kind of networked through those people. I've really been just honored to have met through that so many awesome individuals and hear their story. And I mean, it's a lot of waterworks when people tell me that I give them hope. And the role of the family member in a stroke survivor's life. I think a lot of caregivers get discouraged, you know, I mean, because your person is totally different. I mean, yeah, they had something catastrophic happen to them and yeah, they're going to be different. Really extending that love and care out to them is going to be the thing that fuels them. Let's hear how Sydney has opened up over her stroke experience. 
In the first few years, I was very lost. I felt like kind of like a prisoner in my own body. I just wanted to be the free, young, happy spirited person that I was. And I felt like I really couldn't be that person anymore. And then I kind of just had to honestly pull myself out of that dark place of sadness and anger. And I was pretty bitter for a long time about it. Because I mean, why would I be this young and this happen? And of course, I know that stroke doesn't care what age you are. I mean, babies even have strokes. So it was one of those things that either I could get bitter and stay that way or get better and really flip my perspective and become happy again. And I worked very hard to get to that point. And, you know, I mean, I look back and there are certain times that I'm like, I wish I wasn't so angry or hurtful during those times. But I mean, when you're not feeling very nice about yourself, you're just not really nice in general. And when I started feeling better and a lot of self-love practice and just kind of pulling myself out of that rut mentally. I mean, it was not an easy feat. Of course, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but it's truly been the most rewarding. I mean, it's been so great for my relationships with my family, my friends. I'm still a little sad about how some of my relationships have turned out because of, you know, me just feeling lost and lost is a good place to be found though. And finding myself again has been quite the gift. In ways, the stroke made me a better person. It kind of was an enlightening experience, if you will. The only time I've ever really met with any stroke survivors, it's just been in kind of passing. I was encouraged by several people in my life to get involved in the stroke community when, especially not long after it happened. And I just felt so out of sorts with myself that I didn't really know how to connect with anyone. And I just didn't feel almost comfortable even embracing my story at first. The longer I just sat with it and became comfortable with it, that's when I started really reaching out and I made that Instagram page, Hope After Stroke, and thought, you know, I really do need to connect with these people that have experienced something like I have. Because, I mean, it's one thing to know someone that's had a stroke, but it's another thing to have lived it. And I really needed that community. So I thought, oh, you know, that might be a great outlet. So then, of course, I joined some stroke advocacy groups on Facebook and Instagram, of course, and just kind of networked through those people. I've really been just honored to have met through that so many awesome individuals and hear their story. And I mean, it's a lot of waterworks when people tell me that I give them hope. I wish I would have done it sooner, but I kind of had to get through my own emotional stuff to even be like another outlet for someone else to be like a light of hope, you know, and it's been fantastic. I mean, I, I'm really excited that what life holds and, you know, when people see me in person and they're talking to me, they would never even expect that I've had a stroke because I look just completely normal. You know, I mean, I was very fortunate. I mean, lucky. I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it has been a good experience. And finally... Sydney believes love is key to recovery. 
I think a lot of caregivers get discouraged, you know, I mean, because your person is totally different. I mean, yeah, they had something catastrophic happen to them and yeah, they're going to be different. Really extending that love and care out to them is going to be the thing that fuels them to embetter themselves and just keep fighting and stay strong. I mean, no, things are not going to be easy and life is definitely not a cakewalk at all, especially if if you've had a stroke, but just be easy on yourself, try hard and always love. Despite the emotional difficulties Sydney experienced during those first few years, she has made significant progress and is intent on viewing her stroke as a positive experience. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I had an abscess which burst. Instead of bursting on the outside, it burst internally, which gave me a sepsisemia that dislodged a uh, blood clot near my heart, which then went to a valve, blew that up, and then to the uh, brain. Thank you for subscribing to Stroke Stories, and please do continue to rate and comment on the episodes you hear and like to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please get in touch via Twitter or Instagram, where our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.